forever. Dog. When your first choice is a big old bus, you turn around and boom, you end up with us. Our number is 213-536-9180. Our email is sloppysecondspot at gmail.com. Now, on with the show. Are you ready for some sloppy seconds, you stupid little fucks, you nasty little fucks, you dirty little fucks, you sloppy little fucks, you nasty little fucks? I'm Meatball, and that's Big Dicker. Welcome to Sloppy Seconds <laughs> with Big Dipper and Meatball. Did I say Big Dicker? I don't know. Listen, did you know that my nickname in high school, this is so embarrassing, well, I guess, well, whatever. My last name sounds like this word, but people called me Spermer in high school. Well, if it if it's like one letter off, they will just call it to you. They will just was make like, fun what, of anything. I was like, Spermer? One who sperms? Like, what is that? Like, that's not even a thing. One time in high school, I had a kid walk up and ask me, because you're half black, is your cum black? What? And I was like, I don't think you understand how science works. We're in high school. Uh, wait, 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 wait. That is an insane... Well, it's not an that, insane I, thing. It was Texas. They don't teach My you shit people, in Texas. White people, we are dumb and stupid. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm like aghast. Isn't that dumb? It's very dumb. The level of stupidity. All right, so what have you been up to this week? Well, I, we know now you... I'm just thinking back to that, because people would literally, my, the, and then that nickname got shortened. Just people just call sperm. me Sperms. Sperms. What's up, Sperms? How is that? I mean, it makes sense now, but not in high school. Every, call week, me sperms every now. week we bring up a fresh new trauma. Like, we're just <laughs> constantly, we can't let these people have a break and just have a good episode. Here's the deal. We were fucked up as kids. That's mm-hmm. what it really is. You know what I was thinking about the other day? This okay. Um, it was National Coming Out Day over the weekend or whatever. Um, that's I don't mean to be dismissive. Let's. I mean we'll, we'll we and, and we'll talk about it, it. But I was National Coming Out Day meant a lot to a lot of people. Do yes. not undermine it. I'm not trying to do that. But I did have a memory in my brain. Of because we, I was, I, as we all know, I was seeing my parents recently, Mm -hmm. uh, and we were talking about the house that I grew up in because we, uh, some old male had somehow made it there, and the really nice people who live there now forwarded it to me in California. It was like someone had my old, old, old address, and they were like, Here you go. So it was very nice, but it made me remember when I was in middle school. Under a bookshelf, I took permanent marker and I wrote "I'm gay" underneath the shelf. I like squiggled it in a thing, so and that then was I took your coming sh- out story. And then I took Sharpie and I just like covered it, covered it, covered it. And when my parents were getting ready to sell the house, they had like painted everything. But I don't know that you often think to paint the underside of a bookshelf. Like maybe clean it, but you're not like. And it was a lower shelf, so you would have to get like down on all fours and like stick your head in there. And I was like, hey, uh, maybe we should make sure to paint that because there's this like weird traumatic like diary moment of me coming out to myself and then scribbling it out as like a middle schooler well can you relate (laughs) (laughs) and with that fresh trauma on hand i think there's a lot to unpack 
there. <laughs> I did go to I'm therapy as a child. Go for a deep. Okay, that's good. I was in therapy as a kid too. I think my parents knew there was something very wrong with me back then. I was just thinking about it the other day. I was like, the shit I put my parents through, the gay shit I would like run around and do and have them be mad at me for, just like playing with dolls in front of everybody. I was like, that that probably didn't help me out a lot as an adult. Anyway. <laughs> well, now we're both stars. How about that? Yeah, and on that, why don't we go to a break and just take it all in for a second? Yeah, a deep breathing moment just to recenter ourselves. Are you crying? Oh, we'll be right back. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. When my fridge is stocked with Factor Meals, I'm like... Oh, baby, I don't have to think about this. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm-hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of ma- pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. And I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this is oh, yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. Okay, we are back and very, very excited to have with us a super uh, special guest. A legend. Um, an a legend icon. and an icon. So, someone who has new, uh, newly become uh, uh, someone I get to interact with regularly, and I'm very grateful for it. 
Uh, I look forward to uh, when I get to work with them all the time. An Emmy winner, a <laughs> Moon Man winner. She has met lots of celebrities. She co-hosts a show on our same network. It's Delta Work. Yay! Yay! Hi. Hello. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for being here. Did you have a busy weekend of in-person appearances? Um, I, I did uh, have somewhat <laughs> of a busy weekend. Um, but Sundays, is it's such a weird way that I've been trying to like acclimate to returning to uh, some level of performance, if you will, just because I'm so used to like, I'm a, I've always been a bar queen. So I've always right. worked at any bar and um, I had my consistent spots that I always worked at. And then... When everything changed and now we're returning to it, the place that I always worked on Thursdays has become now the only place that I've been able to work. But I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I kind of set up for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I when when Wednesday rolls around, like Wednesday morning, I'll wake up and think, oh, fuck, yes. Like I get to, I get to go do a little bit of what I've always done in, of course, a new format. We do it outside. Like we have this running joke about um, – because we used to have name, there's there used to be a pre-show and then um, the the ten o'clock show. So it was like the pre-show was called opening act, and then it was called lipstick divas for the regular mm-hmm. show. And so we would be like, um, we were tra- trying to call ourselves something new because it's not really just that one show now. So Laganja and I were calling it um, the Asphalt Angels because <laughs> yes, because we get we we perform in the parking lot yes. and then we literally perform in the shared. Uh, that shared space where it's a liquor store. Yeah. So there's oh. people going to the liquor store walking right by. So we were calling it Liquor Store Lovelies. <laughs> that. We just, I mean, we don't well, know. So full disclosure, you know, I came and saw the show and then we talked about it on a podcast a few weeks ago. So like uh-huh. our listeners sort of like know the deal. We talked about the mask and the, the little butterfly. What I will say is that you, you're like, oh, I don't use the house net. I'm not going to use that house net that the other girls use. (laughs) No. I have my own butterfly net that is uh, 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 coordinating coordinating to my costume, possibly a little rhinestone, bejeweled. Yes. Oh, wow. You went in. So I got, well, you know, I'm a a creature of, um, you know, I'm I'm an only child. I have no siblings. Uh, Um, I was raised by a single parent for the most part. I mean, I had a stepdad for a while, but, um, you know, that's useless. Um, (laughs) So I've always been so, like, by myself all the time. And it's not that I don't – I love people. I do love people. But I'm so used to doing everything by myself that um, I guess I just overthink everything. And so when I realized I was going to go back to performing, I thought, well, I've got to – the first time I did it, they were like, "Oh, we have we have nets," and this was at one of the at a Hamburger Mary's. Um, they were like, "We've got nets," but the thing is, you know, something that's shared, mm-hmm. people are gonna fucking ruin it. Yeah. And so I'm not joking. Then I, you can't see me holding it, but like the the handle that was left on this net was like two inches, <laughs> and then. It looked like I it, I don't know it almost looked like a measuring cup for baking or something. <laughs> right, and, right, right. And I was trying to like parade around like I was I don't know somehow glamorous holding this little thing like I'm the diva or whatever song I'm doing and I'm holding it out and it's like bitch no you're not you're like you're an asphalt angel honey like you're holding <laughs> you're a, a lot fucking lizard a lot yeah lizard. you're a lot lizard, lizard honey. holding a, like fix it up a little bit so anyway I I got crazy and so now I have. I think I have six different nets. I have like a silver one, a black one. 
dumb, dumb shit, dumb shit. I'm still beg, I'm still begging for wet dollars. What is, how has it been, you know, going from, you know, your normal stage shows to performing in the parking lot? Was it a hard transition or did it just feel like adaptable, super easy? I, I thought it was going to be really hard. And other than just um, figuring out like the, you know, because we we even socially distance in the dressing room. So two people get ready in, or two or three get ready in the basement because it's bigger. And then two or three get ready on the second level. So um, we have more space, but it's just weird because now we're getting ready on the actual dance floor where we once performed and there's like no one there. So it's like the ghosts of yesterday, oh, right? Wow. It's like a little freaky. And um, there's like one dim light and then just a bunch of little makeup mirrors in different parts Ugh. of the club. So it's a little spooky, um, but I love it. I actually really, really love the outside setup, maybe because it's been summertime right. at nighttime. It feels good. You know, I, I worked in Palm Springs, uh, God, 17 years straight at uh. Toucan's, and I became obsessed with working um, in the summertime when you would get to just like afterwards hang out and have cocktails and it's like 95 degrees and that's the cool time, right? Like right, that's when yeah, it's right. actually cool down. But, and even though you're still sweaty, it's like that that nice experience of sitting outside with your friends. And so it's been sort of that way, even though we're not socializing and we can't really hang out with people, you're still getting a little bit of that. And it's been so long since right. I've worked in Palm Springs since before, obviously part of the pandemic. I, I, the, wh- wh- <laughs> wow, I'm, I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> I was going to say, one of the funniest things is how everyone interacts with their net differently. Uh, uh-huh. You know, like Morgan, when we saw it, I, I talked about this a little bit, but I'm just fascinated by it. Morgan was like whipping it around like dance moves, like it was like flags or whatever. Angina uh-huh. pretended she was playing tennis with the net before she filled it with money, which I thought was so funny. And you uh-huh. make yours a very interactive, almost sexual. You you extend the uh, the wand through your finger and then you ooh pull it back. <laughs> it's all very, oh, oh, it was very I, bad. I don't, maybe I'm not even aware. <laughs> that I'm doing it. I thought you were going to catch me eating chips out of it because I do keep a bag of chips inside. Um, but okay. I love that. So, um, so let's, let's, I want to get to like the history because I don't know this about you. Um, what made you start doing drag and when uh, was yeah. that? So I, um, I, when I very first started like, uh, and not really obviously professionally, just wanted to get the idea of going out. This was like, in probably like 1995 after I graduated from high school. I graduated from high school in 1994. Okay. Um, and where were and you? What's that? Where were you? Where'd you graduate here in LA? Yeah, I'm in LA. So I um, went to, when I was in college, I went to my first rave okay. and I had this, I had this friend named Raysa and she was like, she used to wear the big, like, do you remember the big, like, gin? Was it Jinko or whatever? Yes. Like the mm-hmm. jeans. Pants. jeans. She wore those, and she had a pacifier. Like she went <gasps> in, and I, I think now she's actually a manager at um at a a cost plus. Like so, she's like a professional person, and, and right. not, but you know, and not that you can't wear those and be professional, but it's an interesting juxtaposition to see somebody who was so free spirited and hopefully still is. But in any event, we, um, uh, 
I, I said, oh my God, I want to dress up like something. And she goes, oh, you should do drag. Like you should, that would be so fun for you. And I was like, at the rave? She's like, yeah, you're going to be with me. Like, who's going to say something to you? Oh, and wow. She's like, she was like, people at the raves, like they want you to have a good time. And I remember I would consistently go to raves and I like would, it wasn't even like full, like what I wear now, obviously. It would just be like a few little trappings of something that I like could put on. <laughs> With like boots and like, and we would just be out all night. And from there, one of my other friends, Gary, who I'm still friends with, um, started sort of introducing me to going to, we went to this place called Oz in Buena Park, which is where I met Raja. And um, then we used to go to Peanuts because we had heard about Peanuts from Oz. And um, so we started going there and then we went to like the factory, which used to be a club in LA. Um Ripples is where I learned to do, uh, like, start doing contests. Drag contests were really big when I was coming up. Ripples and Long Beach. That's right yeah. on the beach, right? I've been there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to hear more about Peanuts. Yeah, let's talk about Peanuts. I have ve- a lot of questions about Peanuts because I have been doing drag for only, like, four years. But everyone talks about, like, hanging out at Peanuts back in the day. How it was, like, one of the original, like, bars to be at. Where yeah. was it? And, like, what was it about? I hear stories about Jasmine Masters just, like, hanging out there all night, mm-hmm. doing stuff. Thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's so what interesting happened there? because... Was it for men to pick up women? <laughs> well, you can pick up anybody there. Would um, you date? Could you date Could you peanuts? date there? Was it speed dating at Peanuts? <laughs> speed dating. You could... You, there was mixed nuts there, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a very mixed bag. Um... I was just, it's funny. I was just talking to Josh Peace last night about, about, about this oh, in Josh specific. Pease. Oh. And Josh used to DJ there. And this is like when we were all kids, Josh was, Josh was DJ at Peanuts. And um, I was just saying how funny it is when we drive down Santa Monica and we're like, oh my gosh, remember when Del Taco was right here? Oh my gosh, remember when this was right here? And like, there's not even a ghost of it anymore. Yeah. Like what the things that it, that were once there, and just recently too, you guys know, um, so many things that are missing that when you try to tell someone who may not be familiar with it, they're like, oh girl, that wasn't there. Shut up. Like, And you're like, no, I swear <laughs> to God, like that, that used to be a Del Taco. That used to be this. That used to be that. And I feel like one of the only things I still see on Santa Monica, if I'm driving from like Robertson back to the 101, is that Yoshinoya that stays open late. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's still there, I guess. Like, that's there. And, but, you know, Peanuts was, Peanuts was such a cool place to go because, for specifically Mondays was like was a drag show but there was obviously a lot of trans performers Fridays was the trans show oh, and so if sick. You, oh wow and so if you got to work on a Friday it was like wow you're doing something right because that's only for the trans girls and your goal uh you know was always to be as perfect as the trans girls Right. As gorgeous. And for somebody, if somebody was like, you know what, you're good enough to be in this show with the trans girls, it was like, fuck, wow, I, I need to keep doing what I'm doing because um, they think I'm beautiful, you know? Or, and then, of course, I mean, maybe they didn't think maybe you were just the only bitch that was going to come perform for free. <laughs> but, you know, and then there was like, there was a show on Saturday nights called, or a party called Cinematic. 
There was Mondays was called Vel. I mean, uh, Sundays was called Velvet. There was Michelle's Triple X. There was parties going on all like constantly, wow. constantly different promoters. It was super fun. You know, I think the max you would get paid was fifty bucks. You would take your fifty bucks. You'd be grateful for your fifty bucks. You would go. Um, Afterwards, we would go to the Yukon, which is right up the street where the Trader Joe's used to be. But I don't think any of that's there now. I think it's all like apartments or something. I don't even know. Maybe it's, maybe it is still there. What was the layout of Peanuts? Because I like there's part of me that like imagines it like a movie, like a movie bar that has like, uh-huh. performances, it, which is always like like a little hole in the wall, but somehow they have like a gorgeous, amazing stage. And then the Mm -hmm. other part of me is like imagining it like the hi-hat in Highland Park, where it's basically like a room with a curtain on the side. So I'm curious like what, what the layout was. Well, you can see the inside of this because I did a, a, um, a film short in there and it, it lives somewhere either on YouTube or, or, or one of those things. And it's, it was called get the dime. And it was a, film put out by Stephen Nichols, who was a soap opera star. And um, we filmed in there and it was like myself, Viva Sex, Vanity Halston. And um, it was just, it was a, it was like a drag scene. And so you can see the inside of it, but basically you would walk in and there would be like a little, a little window where you pay and you would just slightly, it would slightly raise up a little bit. And that would, you would be headed towards the DJ booth, which was a couple of steps up. But then you would be released to like a large size dance floor with a small um, bar. Now, the thing about the bar was that you could walk around the bar oh, and then oh. and then you would be back onto the dance floor. But when you walked around it, um, there was like a like a galley of men that would sit back because these were mostly, um, uh, you know, curious men. Very mm-hmm. curious men, oh. not mm-hmm. specifically gay or, or identifying as gay men, but but men who were interested in um, tra- trans women, and yeah. so they would just lean back and wait for hands to graze back and forth as they, yeah, and like they weren't naked or anything by any right. means, but they were expecting yes. this kind of you know, and this is just something still like to this day. I mean, I, I know that we've come from some dangerous times as far as. Um, you know, uh, HIV and, and awareness for all of that. But, you know, I think with at, like apps happening, there's something that I can remember from my generation. You know, I'm Generation X, I suppose you call it. And um, led I can by rem- your leader, DMX. Yes. From your generation. <laughs> but I can remember, I can remember coming up as a gay kid in the early 90s, um, well, well, mid 90s. Um, I can remember the idea of like what cruising in person was like, yeah. Cruising was a thing now, like, and I'm not saying that, 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 you know, health wise, that was the thing or whatever, but now people don't really have to do that in person. They don't know what that experience is. They can just type into their phone. This is exactly what I'm looking Mm -hmm. for. And I'll wait for the right one to respond. So I think what happens sometimes is they, um, um, again, Maybe this is, I, I don't mean to promote something dangerous, but there was a bit of um, uh, like uh, unexpected ecstasy of going like, oh my gosh, I never knew that I was totally into this. But last night at last call, there was a, I, this, I spent the night with this bear or, oh my God, I spent the night with this club kid or whatever. Right. And then you're like, bitch, I love that. I'm, I'm into this person. I'm into this type of person. But now people go, no, I think what I like is only this. So that's all I'm going to look mm-hmm. for. 
Well, I don't know. And if that's you a get weird the segue. instant gratification of yeah, yeah, picking right? them right, and being girl? like, "This is happening," and I, instead of it being like a late night and you're a little tipsy, and I don't know, someone pulls mm-hmm. up and you. But it's girl, actually while you're wearing that. a diaper. We we are all still out here making horrible mistakes, even though we can choose. Absolutely. <laughs> even though you can Absolutely. put your likes on the app, you're still like, well, girl, I'll deal with that. That's fine. I'll I'll go <laughs> figure that out. Okay, so that's amazing. Um I I wanna know i mean, so you, you you and uh you and Raja just launched this podcast, Very mm-hmm. That. And, oh, yes. and on the show, you have a lot of conversations about times in LA uh from from starting out or from your past. Uh what are you are you enjoying doing the podcast? Because I really enjoy working on oh, with you guys and I'm I so love listening to happy it. that it's happening. So I'm curious how you feel about it. Thanks. Yeah, you know what? We're having a good time with it. I, re- I really do love it. Um, it is interesting um, to listen to. I mean, it took me a long time to get used to listening to my own voice because, and I don't even mean like my own words, but my own sounds, right? <laughs> because, I mean, I'll be 45 in January and I feel like many times I sound like a valley girl. Like I, and I'm not even aware of it and, and I don't find, I don't particularly find shame in it, but, but it is interesting to go like, I I don't think my voice has aged. Like, I think I still sound like a little like complaining white girl or something like, and I guess that's who I am at heart. But, um, but on top of that, sometimes I feel like when, cause people will send us messages on social media, I get messages and I try to respond to every one of them if I can, um, and they're like, oh my gosh, this instance or that instance about the podcast or this story. And I think like, what, like, I, I'm just, I feel like sometimes I'm just complaining about shit or just like, but people are, are interested because maybe there's like-minded people. Yes. But I'm like, oh, yes. are you sure? Like at one point, I told Raja the other day, I'm like, girl, when are people going to catch on to the fact that like, we're not changing anybody's life, girl. Like we're not, we don't really have much of an opinion other than like, I'm sweating, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I want money. I mean, look who you're Lit- talking to. Yeah. The two of us get messages all the time from people. But you're saying, pros. You guys no, are pros. No, but they wrong. say that they like what we're doing. What the yeah. fuck is this? You know what I mean? I also will say that my favorite thing about you is that you do, um, it's not complaining, but you have a strong point of view. Because when I first started following you, um, my friends all told me to go follow you on Facebook because you used to do these videos where you would complain about like terrible service. Criticize. 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 Sorry. Not complaining. Not complaining. Criticize. You would give notes to restaurants. You were a director. You are the ambassador. But um, well, you know what's funny? What's funny you say that about that meatball is that like um I always feel like, you know, old philosophy that you have to be a good team player to be a good coach. You got you have to be able to do that. And so I so spent feeling so, the orgies. Before I before I did drag full time as my as my career, I spent so many years working in customer service. Mm-hmm. And um so far back that I worked at department stores and I was a manager at Old Navy and different things like that. So I, I can remember when I worked in a department store, we used to have um, 
star rankings. So like the more mystery shops you would get, the better you would rank. And so you would want to be like a gold star, then a ruby star, then a diamond star, then a double diamond. And that was always my goal was to be like as high as I could. And the way to do that was to always turn around a negative situation with a customer into a positive. Mm. And I always realized, I mean, I feel like if anybody's never worked as either a food server or a full holiday season in retail, whether it's boutique (laughs) or, you know, you get, you gain this new appreciation for how hard people work. And sometimes, you know, you'll go to a restaurant and someone will start bitching at the waitress or the server about, um, about the way the food tastes. And when in actuality, you're talking about the recipe, not the service. Yeah. Or you're talking about, you know, if the bathroom is unclean, you're talking about, so it's like, who are you assigning the blame to? And what is the solution to this? And so I always feel like I ha- I do know what it's like to work in retail many Christmases. And I do know how people are shitty. And I do know for a fact that the customer is not always right. Mm-hmm. They Say are it again. not always right. right. Say it again. They need to, you know, I think that I mean, I'm is... always right, but the customer. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say, I think we were recording like an episode of Very That a few weeks ago. And you said something where you were like, uh, we don't need to hear from everyone. People should just be a team player and get in line. We don't need everyone's opinion. And then the next sentence, you were like, I'm going to start an OnlyFans where I just complain about everything. And I was yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. incredible. I think that's why people enjoy listening to you and enjoy listening uh, to you and Raja talk on the show. At least for me, it's because you're taking things seriously, but you also are talking for talking's sake. And you're like living in the enjoyment mm-hmm. of hearing each other's banter and language and wordplay. And like, like, and the I language under- is so good. It's like the origin of so many things comes from yes. old school drag and you guys explain it. Like I didn't realize that I poop from there was y'all. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Funny. It was like, oh, I poop from there. And like all the noises. Even... That was like you guys. And isn't that weird to be like grown adults and like just communicate like animals moaning to one another? Why? <laughs> I don't know why we do it's that. It's like a secret language. And I feel like I, it's like whale mm-hmm. sounds. I have to decipher it. It's calming, honestly. Like, I think there's also so many people who are just now discovering podcasts. So many people who go like, oh, I don't have the attention span or whatever. But the way I listen to podcasts is I listen to them both as like really aggressive, like listening to every single word and like reveling in them. And then also I listen to them in the background to make me feel like I have, you know, friends. Right. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and so and so I think everyone sort of engages with them in different ways. And sure. I, you know, I'm just happy that you all are a part of the the audio landscape nowadays. <laughs> I love it. I think it's such a cool medium. And I, I think it's funny that you hit on that too about podcasts is there's so many different ways, not just to appreciate them, but ways that people storytell. So like I first started getting into podcasts because I really like true crime. Mm. And so I I do love storytelling ones. And there's even a couple that I have listened to on long drives that are a person telling a story. And I actually don't even know anything whatsoever about the narrator or the person. But And it's almost like they're actually just reading files. And I'm like, but that monotone, sometimes I just need that. And I'm listening to just these facts, like they're typing them out. Right. it's interesting because then I listen to like, you know, the two of you and it's like a fun play and I know you now. And like, um, 
it makes sense because we do the same thing. Yeah. Right. So outside of this, you know, if I was to encounter you in person, essentially whether we would be in two different two different places, we're still doing the same thing, essentially. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting how people approach podcasts. And now we've both met a very famous person. Her name is Adele. What was your introduction to Adele? Um, so like the actual night that I got yeah, to do that? Yeah, you got like all dressed up like her. It was so good. Yeah. So we, um, I knew that she was going to be coming in concert and I had seen that um, I had a friend who used to live here in LA that moved to Seattle and her name is Christy Champagne. And she- Fancy um, name. Uh, she got pulled up on stage with Adele. She was like the one of the, one of the first uh, like queens dressed up as Adele. I think she might have been the first one dressed up as her. Right? Um, that was on social media that that got pulled up, and I was like, oh my god, maybe that could happen for me if she comes here. And so my friend Lori Blitz started doing this Twitter campaign, calling it a hashtag Adelta. And Smart. so she was like, Adele, you have to pull her up. What the fuck? Like, this is for real. Like, this is a real thing. This is going to happen. And she, like, went crazy. And so for the concert that night, it was me, uh, Detox, Lori, and my partner, Davey. And we all went. And we were so far. I mean, we were st- we had the <laughs> last seats in town. The last seats. And Lori was like, had all her shit with her. And she's like, okay, cool. And she starts pulling out all this cardboard. And we were like, what is that? She's like, well, these are the signs to hold up. So she sees us up here. And I was like, what in the hell is really happening? And Lori Lori. is like, Lori is the letter writer. If something happens, Lori will write a letter. And sure enough, she, and the people in our whole section were like so excited. They were like, yeah, we're going to keep screaming for you. The sec- She's going to notice you up here. She's going to have to. And at one point she was just like, I know there's a, there's somebody in drag here. I heard about it. And she had, I guess her people heard about it on Twitter. So she's like, come down. She realized where I was. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and sing another song or two. Cause <laughs> you are really up there and it's going to be a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and That's so, incredible. And so did you have to. Did you have to be like, it's me she's talking about at the door? Yeah. Or they sort of led you through? Yeah. So we came, we were like, she said, go ahead and come down. So when we went down, we saw like the double doors. And I was like, oh, this would probably be the best way to get down directly would be the stairs. Right. So we all went running down. And when we got down to the bottom, we realized that there were no handles on the doors. <gasps> and there was no windows or anything. So we were banging. And finally... <laughs> Somebody opened and they're like, you guys can't be in here. And we were like, no, no, no. She just called me to the stage. And they were like, you're like, no, oh, bitch, come on. Me. None of that's happening. <laughs> I mean, and you're finally, in a there was full drag. Of course, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And there was this one kid working in the concession stand. And thank God for a homosexual because he was working in the concession stand, <laughs> just an abandoned little concession stand to the sign. And he goes, oh, hell no. Uh-uh. <laughs> she just called her to the stage. That's Delta. And I was yes! like, oh, yeah! my God. He's like, come on, let her out, let her out. And so we all came running out, and they opened the doors, and then there was like that really handsome security guard of hers that supposedly she stole from Beyonce. He looks <gasps> like, uh, he's like bald and tall. Not, and- not Julius. I don't know what his name is, but mm-hmm. some tall, blonde, like white guy, oh, no. British or something. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he puts his hand out and he's like, let's go. <gasps> and so happened that particular night, probably every night, um, all homosexuals on the floor. 
So sure. like it was like running through hamburger Marys and Mother Load <laughs> and Peanuts, and they're all like looking. They're like, "Hey, bitch!" Yeah, so that was a cute. So amazing. That was a it's- cute experience. It's sort of cool to think about, like, that's sort of like a national, global... I mean, that is like a global moment. Like, Adele is yeah. a global superstar. It's cool. And so to be on the stage with her, but then to look out and directly in front of you to sort of have, like, the, like, more, like, local, like, like the support sure. that you're used to on a more regular basis, like, right there. Just like, yeah. oh, these are my people, but then also this is being broadcast to the world. Like, that's a really cool vibe. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at people that are like, I know all those people gave me a buck at some point. At, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. all those people <laughs> were like, we're just happy for you, girl. Go do what you're going to do. Like, make your mark. It's all good. And so it was, it was cool. But of course, like a total ham, I was like, um, she's like, do you have anything you want to say? I'm like, yeah, I'm at Mary's on Tuesday nights at 10. <laughs> yeah. You can catch me. And she's like, She's looking at me like, uh, are you really giving out your schedule? I'm like, well, they're here now, so. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> girl, I'm, like, well, I'm a showgirl. Yeah, I would have been so... like, my Instagram, uh, you would follow my YouTube. I should have done that. She'd be trying to I grab the mic that. back, and I'd be like, you can wait. <laughs> you can wait. This is you my moment. <laughs> okay, so you reprised your Adele look in the iconic Taylor Swift music Taylor video. Swift. Yeah. How was that experience? Um, you know what? Super cool. So I um was uh I like pop I like pop music. I, I love pop songs pop. and um so I was a fan of a, of a few Taylor Swift songs and I always I always what knew are you that laughing pe- about people. She's not just like I like Taylor Swift, she's like, I'm a fan of a few of the songs. <laughs> yes, well no, I and now enjoy pop that. music. It's like, <laughs> no, for sure. No, I'm not I promise I'm not trying to be petty. Okay. <laughs> I hate petty. you people. <laughs> Um, no, but I, um, so I had, there was like a couple of Taylor Swift songs that I had performed in like mixes or something. And, um, so when they called, I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. But I knew that there was like this sort of looming thing. And there was almost like a movement of people that were like, do not like Taylor Swift. Right. Mm, We mm -hmm. don't like her. She's privileged. She's this, she's that. And I'm like, well, what did she do? Like, I don't get it. Like, you know, recently when they talk about, um, there was like a rapper, a female rapper who was shot. And yes. people are like, Megan uh, well, she wasn't shot. Was she shot? I'm like, well, can't you just get a medical report to prove right. that the person was shot? Like, why are we arguing as to whether or not she was shot? So I was like, okay, well, what did she do? What did Taylor, she must have done something really negative. And I couldn't track down specifically why everybody hated Taylor Swift. I'm like, what did mm-hmm. she do? Because I am seeing all these tweets prior to everything. Um, even though I'm not on Twitter, people will send me stuff. And I'm like, she seems to be pretty inclusive about people. Like maybe people just don't like her because she seems like the antithesis of what you're supposed to be. Like yeah. she seems in their mind, she seems unaware, but in any event, we, we shot at a place called movie ranch mm-hmm. and it was a pouring rain day and nobody knew who else was going to be there. We didn't know all we were told individually wow. was you're coming to film a something as Adele and it's for Taylor Swift. And so when we got there and they took us to these private tents, it's like, then I start singing, oh, my God, my girl J. Jolie is here, and this person's here, that person's here. And I will say that um, the day, the full day that we filmed, um, Taylor Swift was not filming anything that day. But she hung out with us in the tent the entire day. So she was there for about 12 Our hours. Queen. She didn't leave. Wow. She ate with us. 
She filmed a little piece of stuff with her phone. She let us know, like, look, I know you guys want to do stuff for your social media. We just can't. Like, you get it. You know how this shit works. So we have a little area that I had them set up where we're going to have a professional photographer take pictures to make little <sighs> gifts and stuff. So we can, do, you guys can have that. And I will make sure that it's sent to you. She even had like this ice sculpture set up like in our what? specific tent for our crafty that was like Taylor Swift loves her, her dolls or something like that. And then had these hand blown glass things with each of our names on them oh. for us to put our drinks on all throughout the day. And she was just very present, very, very cool. And then we went to go to the VMAs with her. Right. You know, that, that um, again, same thing. Hung out with I us during the, the blocking, the rehearsal. Was very nice, was very inclusive. And all those people that, you know, all her other cameos, her, her actual celebrities, her RuPaul, her Billy Porter and all that, I think they all filmed on different different days and maybe a lot of it was green screened Mm because we didn't see any of those people there's even a point where like rupaul throws up a crown and we're all supposed to be reaching for it that was like a pa and they just shopped that in so Mm. you know we didn't encounter rupaul or anything thank god um it seems like because she had todrick there that she was able to understand how to treat drag queens with like i think that could be actors like just that much as like treating them on the same level because they are doing a lot of work just to even be in the room with you right Right. because i've heard so many horror stories of people getting on sets with like big stars and like not getting paid or being told to wear like really ugly shit even though they brought all their own good stuff that could look good on camera for them it's just insane that like drag queens are consistently treated like shit also i feel like Taylor Swift had the same thing where we got just, she was oversaturating the market, like Anne Hathaway. She was just everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we had to mm-hmm. hate her to make her go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> End of list. Okay. But the thing is, we talk about, we talk about like hating people, but it's like, girl, from her perspective, nobody ever hated her. She's a millionaire. She sells all her albums. She like took also, back her masters. She like stood up to the corporation of Apple. She did all this stuff. And then her documentary came out and like, you know, she had to like overcome this like fear of her like Southern Christian base of, of consumers because she wanted to speak out against Trump and the politics of it. You know, it's like, at a certain level, when people become that famous, it's like they just become like a little character in like a board game that we get to move around because we don't yeah. right. really know them as a human person. Right. What I thought was interesting and sort of like a catch-22 with someone at her level is when you put out a video like that, my initial response to that video was like, oh, I'm glad all these people are working and I love seeing all these people, but I roll – because this looks like tokenism. This just looks like her going, oh. oh, let's get all the girls here so I can make my thing. But then when you go back and look at it, you're like, oh, you co-directed that with Todrick. So you brought in the community mm-hmm. you treated everyone really well. You, at, you, you informed millions of people to sign a petition about equality. Like that in its initial moment, because of how we were all sort of thinking of her, it struck me as tokenism, but then after a second viewing, it's like, oh, that was activism is what that mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Like, it sort of wasn't the one thing. It was the other. And, right. you know, it's really you, only such a small percentage of the human experience understand what it like to be that famous and have that many eyes and that much money and that much pressure on you. You know? Yeah, I think what you, I think you're right. And I, 
I think what Meatball's saying too is so true that um, including the important people, um, getting the opinion of people uh, like Todrick mm-hmm. or people who um, would know what it is to work with queens. You know, we talked about again the idea of compensation and facilitation. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring in people and you're like, well, we paid you a bunch of money. We need you to look great. And you say, oh, okay, cool. Um, where do you get ready? I don't know, the bathroom. Mm-hmm. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Uh, because the reason we're not going to do that is because you want the best and you're paying for the best. You have to then facilitate the best. So right. I'm going to need some privacy. I'm going to need a mirror. I'm going to need an outlet. I'm going to need to be taken to the stage. I'm going to be not bothered. And again, and we're not talking about at a drag show at Mary's. Like, yeah. That's different. We know what it's like to be in the trenches with everybody else because we're all real. We're all the same person. But I'm saying when you're, you know, when you're Taylor Swift or you're Beyonce or you whatever, and you want to use a queen, that, or a, key, a drag king, a drag queen, a drag entertainer, a stripper, a DJ, whoever it is, you have to facilitate so they can provide that service for you. So right. they can do that and give you that mm-hmm. 100%. You're going to get a different performance from me if I'm getting ready in a nice dressing room or if I'm getting ready in a kitchen where they're making chicken nuggies. Right. It's right. It's the nuggies. It's, it's the, the nuggies, nuggies that's going to get, get me you pumped. the good thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. because I can eat them right out of the fryer. <laughs> and you know I like them fresh. You like yes. them crispy and fresh. All right. Well, listen, let's take a break and we will be right back. Back. Yeah. And we're back. Now, I know I saw you do The Witch from Into the Woods once on a big stage, and it was amazing. Have you heard of Alphaba? <laughs> do you know Wicked? I have. Okay. I have. Okay, what, and what, who is your favorite Alphaba who's played Alphaba in Wicked? Um, I am going to give you full disclosure right now. Yes. <clears throat> I've never seen Wicked. Leave me! <laughs> I've never seen Wicked. And my drag daughter bought me a ticket to go with her parents, bought her tickets to go for her birthday years ago uh, to go see Wicked. I mean, we're talking when, I don't know, 10 years ago, whenever yeah, it was I mean, here in LA. Been out forever. And I didn't go. I didn't go. And, and by the way, my partner is a huge, a huge fan of musicals, of Broadway, and I know so little. I know so little, so I couldn't tell. <laughs> to, it, to the point, I know so little about so many things like that. For instance, even Disney stuff. Um, I love doing Disney numbers. I do tons of Disney characters. Yeah. And every time I want to do one, I'm usually compelled by what they look like. And then I haven't even seen the movies. So I have to go on Wikipedia and look up where are they from? What's their name? What's their <laughs> plot line? And then I put together a story about them. I know that Heather little watching the movie. She, you'd rather do research than watch I would a rather, movie. I would. Rather. <laughs> I bet you got straight rather. A's and were a big fan of like. What I know I that's learned. awful. That seems inauthentic for somebody who professes to be so authentic. Sometimes I, I think that seems. But I'm being honest. Like I don't. I mean, I've seen Cinderella. Like I've seen. I've seen Lion King. I love Lion King. Sure, sure. <laughs> Wait, I want to know about your partner. Um, oh yeah, did, David. Did you all meet well in drag? 
No, well, sort of, yeah. He's a chaser. He's a chaser. No, he. <laughs> um, we met when I was traveling, and he is um from Utah. So oh. uh, we met when I was traveling, and we had like a long distance thing where we would either I would go to Salt Lake, or he would come to LA, or we would meet in Las Vegas. And Ooh. eventually, we was, this was like ten. This is I think we've been together for ten years. Um, and he eventually just was like, well, I'll just move there. Like, I, I, why not? Let's do it. And he moved here and, um, we've been living together for, yeah, 10, what is it? It's 2020. So no, almost 10 years. So I think it was like 2011. So that's incredible. And he's, he makes dresses, right? He's a designer. He does. He's self-taught. So he, um, he, prior to this, he worked in retail, but when he moved here, he was like, saw my sewing machine. I was like, how can you never make anything? I said, well, I, I just haven't, but I do sew. I do know how to sew and, and make clothing. And he started screwing around. And literally, I would say within two months, was just like making patterns, following patterns. Oh my God. And was like, and then had met all the girls, of course, and was like, you know, just girls in the area. And they were like, could you make this for me? Could you do that? And since then, as you know, done pretty much everything i wear um just because uh you know sometimes you know being plus size is hard to find stuff yep. that you want that's sparkly or that makes any kind of sense yeah and the um, only plus size stuff is like i don't know just everyday regular day wear and you can't yeah. even church it up you can't even drag that up because you're just like ugh, what am i wearing Stretchy right pants? and so from there you know he started like made stuff for trixie and Made a few things for her, made stuff for Bianca, who, of course, Bianca Del Rio sews her own things. Yeah. But they had a, a friendship, and she was like, hey, I'm going on tour. Why don't you pump out a couple of things for me to incorporate with what I already have? Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, detox and and some of the girls. And, yeah, so that's what he does. And he's uh, um, actually our cats. Uh, we have two cats, uh, Cha-Cha and Tango. And they're <laughs> named after ballroom dancers because Davey's a former ballroom dancer. So. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. So do you guys watch Dancing with the Stars? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, you know what's funny? <laughs> okay. I, I have to. I have to tell oh, you. Got that. it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I have to tell you this that I think is funny too, because we talk. We're going back to the Taylor Swift thing and about how people like she became like the chess piece or whatever. Right. I think there's also, and I try. I try, I don't want to think I'm this person, but I could be this person, and that is one of those sort of dissidents that's like, oh, you watch Game of Thrones? Oh no, I had. I'm not into what's popular right now. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, you do that. Oh, I don't do that, darling. Like, and I, I, it's not that I, I, I'm literally like, again, because I'm an only child and I, I can busy myself staring at the wall all day long and just being like, mm-hmm, and get lost in my thoughts. So it's hard for me to pick up on a new show unless it's like a crime, uh, a crime documentary mm-hmm. or something about ghosts. Like I like stuff like that, but whenever something's like, I've never seen Never seen Bates Motel. I've never seen Game of Thrones. For the longest time, up until a year ago, I thought that Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter was the same thing. I swear to you, and I'm not being fake. I really thought, oh, it's the same. It's just a series of the same book. How many Harry Potter shows did you do? What's that? How many Harry Potter themed shows have you done thinking that <laughs> no, it is No, but I do have a Harry show. Potter number. I do have a Hermione Granger number. <laughs> I told, but Davey was like, babe, you, why can't you just give it a shot? And I'm like, I can't, I just, I would rather sit here and watch reruns of 
and on investigative discovery. Like I would rather watch the same crime story about Chris Watts over and over. <laughs> What's your favorite crime podcast? Because I'm getting over the ones that I'm listening to. Um, I do like to listen to recently. I started listening to, um, uh, uh, Appalachia Mysteria. Okay. Whoa. Which is really good. There's two seasons of Appalachia Mysteria and they're two different cases, but they're each, you know, um, of course, um, um, oh God, what's his name? Payne Lindsay's shit. Up and Vanish. Oh, up, up and Vanish. Love, yeah, girl. love Payne Lindsay. That'll ruin really his sleep. They turned, um, they turned, uh, the first season of that, I think, into a TV show, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Payne Lindsay produced that, I think. Yeah. Um, I love, um, uh, the van, it's called The Vanished. That's pretty good. Um, I used to love one that, that's no longer around called um, Hell and Gone. And okay. it's, a, it's from the, it's from uh, somewhere in the South and it's a lady that narrates that. And then also um, Someone Knows Something is really good from the CBC. Someone, someone knows, knows something. something. That sounds someone, like something you would say it's to someone at the, and the club. Guy, someone knows something. And the, what I loved about that one <laughs> is when I was, the when I was listening to that one, um, it was centering around a case that was happening in Canada. And it so happened that I was flying into Canada. As I finished that podcast, that whole season, a week later, I was flying right into where all of this happened. Whoop. And I was like, oh, God, I need to stay a couple of days. I just want to see where it happened. I want to see. Yes. And, and and I was like, that seems a little like, what if these people are like, what is this guy from the United States like? just hanging out at the like America's best value hotel, like creeping around. Like you're like, I'm an independent for uh, crime. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm doing research. Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna solve this case. Yes. We are going to get into our final segment, which is fuck talk. But I do want to ask you about, uh, y- you of course have won an Emmy. Where is for it? Doing hair Bring on television. <laughs> People wants to see it. Um, I, you know, you came on, We, you were a guest on Race Chaser. We had a lot mm-hmm. of conversation about all of that. I, I'm less so curious. Like, obviously, you worked on the show. You worked with RuPaul. You worked with Raven. And then, you know, that was a period of time. And now that's no longer didn't, you know, continue. I'm curious more so about, like, where you are now and how you see that experience and, like, sort mm-hmm. of, like, what you, what you learned, learned from, from it. it. Yeah, exactly. What you can, like, tell us about it. Because, like, you have a huge television award for your contributions working on a television show that has global impact as one of, like, the biggest queer representations that has ever existed on television. Like, that's right. a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's exciting. You know, I, I think, um, I would like to say that winning an award like that, um, sets you up for nothing but success. I would love to say like, oh my gosh, once you get that, you are, um, solidified and you just don't, the work is done. Like all your hard work has now given you this and that's not true, um, Mm. whatsoever. Um, people are excited about, my friends are excited about it, um, but certainly, I will say, I don't believe, um, and this is not something I've really spoke about, but this is something that I've noticed uh, over the past, I would say, year or so. Certainly not other people in the same industry are very happy about. Wow. Because I believe they think it was undeserved. 
Mm. And I believe they think that they could have, uh, as artists, um, done something vastly better than I did and that they should have received that award. Because essentially, anybody that does hair or makeup would love to go, oh, I'm going to do hair and makeup on RuPaul. Yeah. That Why not? I'm going to show you what I can do to RuPaul. Right. And what they don't realize is that, no, you're not going to show what you can do. You're going to show how well you can follow the rules because you're going to do what RuPaul asks you to do. Right. So with that said, um, I there's only a handful, and I mean a tiny handful of people in the sort of wig industry that are friendly with me. And many of those people, even I will go to their pages and see something pop up and I'll go, oh, I'm loving this so much. I'd love to buy, you know, I, I still buy wigs. Yeah, and right. sometimes I'll see a styled wig and I'll go, I want that. I don't think I could do that or have the patience to do that. And they're very, um, I don't want to say disrespectful, but but purposefully are like, ew. ew. What? Uh... And it happens all the time. And to that, I, I realized that's fine. That just solidifies my friends that in the industry that are like, hey, you do what you do. I do what I do. And we're both going to shine at the same time because there can be two blossoms on a bush. They don't have to compete. Yes. Like right. you can do what you do. So, you know, like my friend Tony, who does vintage hair, yeah. his vintage touch, he has been like my friend for so long. And I mean, my God, I'm old enough to be Tony's parent, but Tony has like far surpassed what many people can do in hair because he's worked so hard at what he does. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of somebody like Wigs by Vanity, who's always, when I won uh, when I won the award, had to go post up on her thing. Hey, I just want to let everybody know that Delta, I'm in Australia and Delta Work just won this Emmy and I think it's fucking cool and like good for yeah. her. Like do the damn thing. And to this day, I still buy wigs from Wigs by Vanity. But there are many that, purposefully are like uh you can i can literally you know i I think my superpower if i was ever a superpower a superhero my superpower would be that i can smell bullshit from a mile away and tell you the color of cow that's shitting it and so i know and you i know the both of you know too when somebody's you know that just it's that maybe it's that gay sixth sense of when you mm-hmm. go, I know you're talking about me. It's fine. Yeah. I'm not mad, but I know it's happening. And don't act like I don't know that right. that's happening. Um, and it's cool, but I get it. It's and cool. so, it's cool. <laughs> but, you know, and so where I stand with it now, dead honest, um, I, it, uh, my Emmy uh, sits in my mother's bedroom. I gave it to my mom and she's like, it sits at her dressing station where she puts her makeup on. And I sitting, I'm sitting here in my living room and there are one, two, three, four, five, six wigs in here that I've styled that I put on Instagram and I sell because I don't have any celebrity clients because no matter Mm. what award I have, there are many people that do what I do just as good, if not better, Mm -hmm. and they're better connected. And I do feel like there are people that are like, we don't work with that person because she is too opinionated. And because Mm. she doesn't just work behind the camera, she works in front of the camera. And that is unfortunate for us because if we step on her toes, she realized after a couple of years that she was going to finally say, excuse me, you stepped on my toes. I don't like that. And that's been my relationship with a lot of people. Now I am very good at keeping secrets. So, you know, if people want, (laughs) if people want me to work with them and they are like, listen, you know, I sign NDAs and I keep my I keep my word on NDAs. Right. I do that. And so I understand how the how the business works. I'm not I'm not looking to spill people's secrets. I'm willing to keep those secrets if they're willing to treat me fairly. And I and I haven't encountered that yet. 
And right. I'd, I'd like to wow. encounter that. I'd love to style wigs for, you know, uh, amazing people. But I do get to style wigs for amazing people because I get to style wigs for drag queens that work day in, day out at brunches at Hamburger Mary's and um, uh, drag queens that are working, um, you know, uh, bingos and stuff like that. They they trust me and go, hey, I, I'd like to have a wig too. And if I'm able to make it for them and I'm able to do it affordably for both of us, to me, I'm still styling stuff for amazing people. Right. That's incredible. Yeah. That You know, I... Uh... And and we are going to talk about um, doing sex now, but I will say like it, doing it, sex. It, yeah, that's, you ever done that's that what, before? Have you ever done that before? <laughs> uh, what I, I just want to say, and, and something I think that both Meepal and I have experienced, and I think a lot of actually just like queer people experiences, um, oftentimes uh, in, in sort of any industry or any lane that you want to, you know, uh, go down. Uh, when you are the other, you, you find yourself doing things differently. You're often Mm -hmm, the outsider, you do it in a different way. And, you know, thinking about the industry, I know there are so many people who say to me like, oh, it's so weird. You don't have an agent, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I, I've never had like a music agent. I don't like, I just do it all myself. And I think even when you're sort of like being brought into an establishment and then like you win like such a mainstream award, it's such this thing of like, well, I don't know. She's in front of the camera and behind the camera and she's not right. in the union and she's this. And it, it was the all, you know, the exception to the rule. But then like, how do we just sure. go like, Hey, here, let's walk you into it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think queer people and alternative artists, like we sort of always have to sort of make our own rules and make our own way. And so anyways, I, it's, uh, that's all, that's all I want to say because I understand that. That makes sense. All right. Let's talk about penises and buttholes. Have you ever fucked in drag? Uh, yes, I have. Ooh, come on. Because you were feeling the fantasy or because you just happened to be in drag at the moment? Um, Actually, probably both. Um, I yeah, I feel like uh, Rasha and I have discussed this at length, and not ever on our podcast, but just in our lives in general. Um, <clears throat> I totally believe that some people um, there's like a serious amount of duality with them. Like, mm-hmm. I think some people um, are 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 comfortable going like, oh yeah, like some you know some gay men will be like, oh I'll wear a pink shirt, I'm cool. But they, you know, but that's the extent of it, right? And um, and I'm not saying that uh, that the, like they're not in tune with something. That's just who they are. Yeah, they're like, you know what? I, I I'm actually kind of not an effeminate person. Mm-hmm. But I think like Rush and I have discussed. I think we're both like there's we're, there's such a duality and a recognition of that not just from doing drag but just from all of our life experiences i mean i'm so influenced by um by so many different kinds of women like i'll always i'll always look at some celebrity and i'll go oh that's my drag mother that's my drag mother <laughs> like i post pictures of jacqueline smith from charlie's angels i'm like my drag mother well I post vanessa vanessa williams is of course like my goddess. Yeah. And I'm always like, that's my drag mother. <laughs> uh, and people are like, girl, why is everybody your drag mother? And I'm like, because they've all in some way, again, as a, an only child, like I was raised on um, seeing these images and creating this sort of what a new word that I think is thrown around a lot, that narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people use that term a lot more. I created that narrative in my mind. Like, 
okay, in this situation, you respond as the way this person would respond or that person. And that's just sort of how I, I remember RuPaul one time saying that she gets the cadence and the way that she speaks from Eve Arden. She's oh. just, she's like, I like to speak. She said, I like to speak like Eve Arden. And I went back and looked at a few things and I'm like, I see it. I can totally see it. And Raja will send me sometimes pictures of women and she'll go, this is you, this commercial from, for this perfume from the eighties, that's you when you're the woman. <laughs> and she just calls it the woman. So she'll say like, whenever you're in drag, when I'm in drag, she'll be like, Oh girl, I saw you the other day and, and you were giving the woman and you were giving this one right here. Like, <laughs> and it's just funny. Like I, so yeah, I have for sure. And, and intention, not, I mean, not, girl 20 for 20 years probably or not like 15 years not since i've been in a relationship that doesn't happen not not dressed up in you don't just like do your face and then you're like no David. That's just, uh, well maybe maybe because that's maybe because it's just become like a thing you know getting in drag is such a hassle yeah sure so you're like uh, i'm not gonna and besides that just gets that's being in drag is so hot Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. it's very warm. Also, like being corseted and cinched and all that stuff is no fun for me. What's a corset? What's that? It's hard. <laughs> it's full of, of metal bones. I bet you wear a shoe with the heel on it. I'm gonna do that one day. <laughs> well, we did that. We did that photo shoot. You and I. We did that. Yeah. We all did that socially distanced photo shoot. And I was like, "Girl, Meatball is walking around in these shoes like they're tennis shoes." You were just jumping over this and jumping over that, and I was like, "Girl." I wait till the last minute to put a fucking shoe on my foot. But Not no, you. I was still sweaty, even though I was seated for a lar- large portion of the day. Nobody I just could tell. Could not Nobody could tell. Stop sweating. Also, you were corseted meatball, and like all the dresses you wore were circles. None of them had any shape to them. Why were you corseted? Because she was becoming the woman. I was. Oh, the woman. In order to feel the fantasy. You're right. The right. second dress I wore didn't need to be corseted. <laughs> it was. It was it a was... jellyfish dress. <laughs> It was a but blob. you felt you stood differently. You stood differently. Yeah, it pushes right? my butt out. So that's what yeah. I needed. Feeling the woman. I sometimes feel like I should, you know, strap on all the accoutrement. All I do is work with drag queens all the time, and I'm always like, "Yeah, put a nail on, put a shoe this on, get your oh, corset yeah. all on." You and do I don't do any of to get dressed. Yeah, Listen, exactly. this can't be your this can't be your narrative. I don't need you to just be around <laughs> drag queens for long enough that you're like, "I could do that. I want to do that." We don't need that. I know the boys don't. always do that though. The boys are always like, "Oh no, bitch! If I was in drag, I would do Ooh, it like I this. would serve. I would serve." And I'm and like, "You're like, no, you wouldn't. No, no you no, wouldn't." Listen, I used to dance in heels. Okay, so that I know I could. <laughs> but did you get fucked I wish in heels? Seen face. <laughs> she said, "Pause." She said, oh, okay. did you get fucked in heels? <laughs> no, no. But did I get fucked ever? Oh no! No! Oh no! Oh, you don't take it in the booty hall, honey. What? I have a hard, I have a hard time. I have a you hard time. Heart condition. And I have a hard, I have a hard time bottoming. And then, yeah, on, he um doesn't top oh. people anymore either. I think now you strictly just suck on dicks. I yes, and then put entire turkeys around my fist up to my elbow. Yeah, he wow. likes to sh- he likes to okay. do a turkey fist. <laughs> have that you ever fisted anyone? Yeah, adult. <laughs> Delta, What's you ever that? fisted anyone? No, Peanuts I haven't. Peanuts didn't have a back room? Mm-mm. I have I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't think I would ever try that just because um, I, I'm fearful of that, but I'm very intrigued. I think it's, I think it's really cool. And I think it must take a lot of patience and a lot of trust with someone. Mm-hmm. So well, I you think should, that, uh, I think it's really, would you watch? You sh- yeah. Would you watch, watch Meatball and I do color commentary as someone got fisted? 
Yeah, of course I would watch. Oh, okay, oh, I, okay, I, okay, would, okay, okay. I would watch anything anything that that was happening between consenting adults. I would absolutely watch. Well, anything that was happen, it wouldn't bother me at all. I I don't really get grossed out um, because I I sometimes I feel like you know it's so interesting. Somebody was talking about we we're talking about food the other night, and they were like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe you're eating cauliflower chips. That's disgusting." <laughs> I would never, and I'm like, "But you put your mouth inside someone's rectum." Yeah. <laughs> So what's the difference? It's like, where's like, the line for you? And who cares? Also, like, who cares? A cauliflower chip? That's, That's like very delicious. healthy. Yeah. <laughs> they just thought it was gross. They thought it was gross. And I'm like, well, I don't really think anything's gross. I mean, if you're doing things, you know, as clean as possible, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we want to thank you so much for being on oh, Sloppy Seconds. thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This it's, has been a great time. I you had can, a really wonderful uh, time. Find Delta Work at her uh, Instagram, which is Delta Work. Uh, you can go on Instagram Live. You can see the the stories are very populated. It's not just a couple lines. It's a lot of small dashes. It looks across like Morse code. Her... Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> she, I love she's, that. She's out there on the IG. Um, and that's it. You can email us at sloppysecondspot at gmail.com or Meatball, you want to sing them the song? Yeah, you can call in with your fuck talk story to 213-536-9180. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Dipper Jelly and at Spiciest Meatball or I'm Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode, which will now come out every Tuesday and Friday. Today is Friday. Today is Friday. Delta, any last words? No, just I love you guys so much, and I'm really excited to to interact on this podcast and see that I'm not um, I'm not the only person who's insane that talks about crazy things. You guys are doing this. <laughs> you guys are talking about crazy shit too, and I'm I think I found a great place to be. So thank yeah. you guys. I'm so happy because I love. I did a show with Raja in Minneapolis, and I fell in love with her. So I'm so happy that you two are on this podcast together because I feel like I'm friends with you now. Like, you yeah, guys just shoot that. the shit, and it's so good. So everyone go listen to Vary That. It's on the Forever Dog Network. Heenies. All right, that's it. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. do do Forever Dog. To listen to Sloppy Seconds ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media. Mom! Hosted by Big Dipper and Meepaw. Mixed and mastered by William Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork is drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.